coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Rocket Mortgage giving away millions during Super Bowl 55 with the Rocket Mortgage Super Bowl Square Sweepstakes. See rules and enter for free today at rocketmortgagesquares.com. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. 855-212-4CBS. 855-212-4227. Who's going to Super Bowl 55? I say Kansas City. I know we just had Eric Wood on. I'm sorry. I say Green Bay. I want Buffalo to win. I want Tampa Bay to win. Why? I'm such a fanboy for Tom Brady. I can't help it. You, uh, you, this is a want. This is not a who we think. I'm a fanboy for Tom Brady. I'm a fanboy for Bills fans. I want the Bills to win. I think it's a tremendous story. I think they got a good shot. I think that this could be a game where both these teams in the AFC Championship game could come out and play loose. With what Kansas City did last week, Andy Reid with a Super Bowl under his belt, there, there's a different way to him. Andy Reid with Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback, there's a different way to how he does his business. And I think you're seeing it. This year with Andy, with how he conducts everything with Kansas City and how they've conducted themselves in the postseason. Let's be honest. Fourth and one and fourth and less than one to do that play takes stones that I don't think he'd have had he not already won a Super Bowl. And that could be a good thing. That, that could very well be a good thing and, and maybe highlight something going, hey, if it's still a realistic thing, and it was – if it's still a realistic thing to do, maybe it shouldn't matter whether or not you have a Super Bowl under your belt or not. Maybe you shouldn't be afraid to go for the gusto. That's something that is very, very hard to answer. Because if he did not have a Super Bowl and he has that type of play and it doesn't work and Cleveland goes down and wins, you're calling me today to fire Andy Reid. Andy Reid has been a sensationally I mean, a sensationally good coach for a long time and has been successful and got the Eagles up from being on their ass and and got them to different places, put them in a good position for a very long time. Eagles fans still seem to adore Andy Reid from all the media that I follow there. But the difference between a Super Bowl and not having a Super Bowl is is that little question right there. Do you have the guts the pills to do something like that had you not already won the Super Bowl. Because if you don't, or if you haven't, and you do that and it fails, these are the type of things that lead people to talk about firing you. And I think that Bruce Arians can tighten up in these moments. I think he has. It's why I love Aaron Rodgers going into this game. I love their offense going into this game. We had calls about Vita Vea earlier today, which which can make a bit of a difference, but if it's only 50% of the snaps, I think that Tom Brady can make up for the other half. I think that Tom Brady has already won in a lot of ways. The whole divorce with Bill Belichick, I think that he's proven this is not Joe Namath at the end. This isn't Johnny Unitas at the end. This is real. This is tangible. This is something that can return even in, in the 2021 season. He's already proven just how valuable he is. I think all the pressure in this football game is on the other side of the field with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, in a lot of ways, didn't get what he wanted because he wanted wide receiver. They got Jordan Love. But he wanted Mike McCarthy gone. They got rid of Mike McCarthy. He looks like he's the winner in this. He looks like he's the right one in this. A lot of things are done for Aaron Rodgers, and there's so much more to legacy with Aaron Rodgers. I'll bring this up at around 1.20 p.m. Eastern when we talk about Phillip Rivers because for Aaron Rodgers – because of the guy on the other side of the field from him, Tom Brady, 
we look at a Super Bowl like like Aaron Rodgers have, and we in the time that he won it, remarkable accomplishment, the win over Pittsburgh, the way they won against Pittsburgh, the way he's played throughout there, we wanted to put him legendary status. Now here we are 10 years later, and, well, where's your second? Tom Brady's taken away a lot of opportunities from a lot of really good quarterbacks during his tenure. But now we look at Aaron Rodgers, and there is a segment. There is a conversation to be had about whether or not he's overrated. I wouldn't believe it. I wouldn't say it. I wouldn't mean it if I said it. But the conversation has been had. It is much more pressure to be on Aaron Rodgers than there is Tom Brady. With the other game going on, I think both those teams can play loose. I think I think Buffalo's hungry. That's an easy thing to say. They haven't been there before, and that's a chance to tighten it up. However, I think their style of play with Josh Allen, letting it fly, letting it rip, I think that can loosen up a team really quickly. I think Kansas City, in their own way, may be playing with house money, and they know they have the best quarterback on the face of the earth. So that one could turn into a wild one real quick. 855-2124-CBS. But my heart is with Buffalo. My heart is with Tampa. My head, and I was wrong both times for last Saturday's game, so what the hell am I saying? My head is with Green Bay and Kansas City. You can talk me out of it. 855-2124-CBS. I wanted to do this at 11. We just got, we had so much stuff going on. And we'll get to the NFL head coach Royal Rumble coming up in a bit. The conversation over Deshaun Watson has turned a, a little bit crazy to me. And I think it's like anything else. If something is bought, if something is 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 there if there's an opportunity to buy something whether it be in a business whether it be cars whether it be something that's just an asset and you believe it true even if your situation is better and it's not really with cars but i would say in in property and business and things of that nature when you have that type of conversation when you see something that's possible you you sit down you discuss the possibility even if you didn't think you were previously interested you're in on it You might be thinking, okay, what can our situation, how much better can our situation be if we go out and we accomplish X? We go out and we buy Z. We buy into Y. We acquire X, Y, Z, whatever it may be. And I think the same thing is with Deshaun Watson. First and foremost, I think Houston needs to work it out. He's great talent. I question a couple of things here and there, but the talent is off the charts. I think Tennessee or I think Houston needs to do everything they possibly can to get things to work out. And there's been the question, and we had John McClain on last week, and I love and respect John McClain. The whole thought of giving Deshaun Watson that much power and having it being something that they wouldn't be willing to do, to me seems to be preposterous. That this would be the first time is incorrect. They've done this before. We've done this before with with quarterbacks, not even of this generation. This was done before with John Elway. They've gotten rid of coaches for John Elway. John Elway paid off at the end of his career with two Super Bowls, with a great football team and a good coach. But they've moved on. Teams have moved on from coaches for their quarterback. Teams have made decisions based on their quarterback. This is nothing new. You've invested this much in Deshaun Watson. You're that much in arrears because of what happened with Bill O'Brien. He doesn't like Jack Easterby so sensationally much where I look at it and I go, if we've if we've gone to this level of thinking where before, up until these last couple of years, remember the hierarchy. Owner, general manager, then you hire a head coach. The head coach reports to the general manager. That's the way things are. That's the way things have been. And over the last few years, 
because of maybe the John Lynch and the Kyle Shanahan scenario. We've just seen what happened in Washington with their new hire as a general manager who will report to who? Ron Rivera. Things are changing. And Houston in their spot, to me, has no recourse because of what he means to the fan base, to what he means for football, that these quarterbacks, they don't fall off of trees. And I can give you the next 10 first-round picks from wherever I go. Will that QB be as good as Deshaun Watson? You can't guarantee that. You can't do it. You may take it out. You may be fine with losing. You can't guarantee, because we've already seen it with Deshaun Watson, you can't guarantee that player's going to be nearly as good as Deshaun. So if you're Houston, I say damn the torpedoes. You did it all for Bill O'Brien once. You can't do it for Deshaun Watson. If you're willing to do it for Bill O'Brien, who really does not have total control over everything because he can't play in the game like Deshaun Watson can, you're not willing to do it for Deshaun because of why? Because he's younger? Because he's prone to outbursts? Because you don't like what he has to say about certain things? I don't know what it might be. But this has been done before, and it'll be done again. Aaron Rodgers didn't like Mike McCarthy. Green Bay does not just willy-nilly hire and fire coaches. That's not the way Green Bay operates. Aaron Rodgers didn't care for him, wanted a split, thought he was behind. Aaron Rodgers got what he wanted. Aaron Rodgers is back in the NFC Championship game. John Elway didn't care for Dan Reeves, didn't care for the way things are going. John Elway, eventually with the running game and Terrell Davis and a great offensive line, I know, I know, I know, but did pay off with two Super Bowls and a very successful career for that franchise. This is not new. And you're at a major crossroads. If it's all true where he doesn't want to answer your calls or he doesn't want to talk to anybody, and now you're you're interviewing Josh McCown, who, boy, is a good guy. I, 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 he looks like he'd be a good coach. I think he'd be a good coach. I think it's a little soon, a little sudden, but we'll see. You're, you're willing to prove that you're willing to think outside the box. You're at the point right now where it's been proven how good Deshaun Watson is. If you want to put him in on the ground floor and give him a say in the head coach, that's okay. I think you got to do what you can if you're Houston to make sure that he stays on your team and to not listen to the outside. But I also think there's situations that are realistic. I think there's situations that are unrealistic. And let me explain. As we fire up the music, And I tell you the places that are real and places that are fake for Deshaun Watson. As the media in all these NFL cities and in a couple cities with two teams like to discuss what's real, what's fake, how it can be done. I preface this on one thing. Four first-round picks. If it's at least three, I think you have to get to at least four with first-round picks to be able to make that conversation happen. Then the question becomes, how many of those first-round picks do you believe, because there's there's bound to be a bust in there somewhere, or bound to be a guy who's just another guy instead of an impact player for you in there somewhere, to be generous? I say three of those players are impact players who then Houston would then go ahead and and draft with your picks. So I just start by the rankings and just start by the standings so it's nice and easy and, and easy to do through the beginning of all the AFC teams. We start with Buffalo. That's a hell no. Go ahead, Connor. Easy enough. Miami, their quarterback is Tua Tungavailoa. Their coach is Brian Flores. It's an easy yes. You know what I think of Brian Flores? I think they are a quarterback away. 
I worry about Tua. I don't think that you have to give up Tua. Now, I know it's a trade for a trade. I don't think you'd have to give up just Tua because if I'm Houston, I'm thinking, uh, do I really want to make that part of it or do I want the picks? Maybe I just want the picks if I'm the Houston Texans. By the way, if you're just taking picks and not taking a quarterback back, you're getting rid of J.J. Watt too, and you're going to do it that way because you're not going to let that guy go ahead and languish, and I think the fans down there would be happy with it. But for all the reasons you already heard, Miami's an easy yes. New England, put it on the board, yes. I don't think it's going to be Cam Newton. Doesn't seem like it's going to be Cam Newton. And from what we saw to Jarrett Stidham, that is not Tom Brady 2.0. I know people wanted to believe it. I had my concerns and a lot of others did, and they ended up being right. To give up four first-round picks, Bill Belichick does not feel that a lot of places, a lot of picks are, are worth to keep. With a guy as good as Deshaun Watson, I think Bill Belichick knows that in his heart with later picks and with free agency, he can make something like that work. I think it's an absolute yes, and I will always think New England is going to be a team snooping around. The New York Jets, no. And now I had a lot of Jets fans calling in a couple of weeks ago. They wanted to make this trade. They wanted to make this move. I'm dead serious, and I still say no. Because, again, if I take the picks or if I give up the picks for Deshaun Watson, where are the Jets right now? They're a succubus. They're terrible. I wish well for Robert Sala, but I have my concerns. And, Connor, I know you're hearing this, and I'm sorry to say because I know you're a big Jets fan. But if you take Deshaun Watson and you give up four first-round picks, are you not just the Houston Texans again? That's not going to help that situation whatsoever. It'd sell jerseys. But Deshaun Watson has proven he, he does need some help. And that team already is terrible. And if you can't give him first-end, top-end talent with draft picks, and I don't know where your cap situation is going to be. You can try to say you can buy that, but that's still going to be flimsy. It's, it's something that everybody would love, Deshaun Watson. I just don't think it's realistic. To Pittsburgh we go. Give me the bell. My God. Give up it all. Give it all up. You got it. You got as many as 20 free agents. It could change this conversation. You got to try to force Ben Roethlisberger out the door. I don't know. They just signed Deshaun, or they just signed Wayne Haskins. Doesn't matter to me. I say if you can make this move, if you're Pittsburgh, you drive down there to Houston, you pick them up if you have to, and you bring them back up to Pittsburgh, and away you go. That's still a franchise that has good coaching, even though I questioned some of their moves recently. That's still a franchise that still has that mystique, even though they've fallen on hard times lately. That is still a team that if they were to put Deshaun Watson in that division right there with that team surrounding him, even with the older offensive lineman, with the banged-up offensive lineman, that's a team that could compete for the AFC North right then and there. Baltimore, that's a no. Cincinnati, that's a no. Cleveland, it's a no. But, Ken, if you were to get if you were to get him, if I already have a quarterback that's gone to the playoffs, why do, and I know I need help on defense. Why am I giving up so much to get Deshaun Watson, which might be a help next year, but as that salary changes, as you start to pull away, what are you going to replace those players with, especially on a defense that's so bad that you can't just replace with free agents? You need your picks. I know people love to talk trash about Baker Mayfield. It's a fun thing to do. He's polarizing. He really is. And they're easy segments for guys like me to, t- to, to just take some time off and, and let you yell at me and act like I'm saying something tough. He was good this year. You're going to have to accept it. He was good in Kevin Stefanski's offense. 
to give up four first-round picks for Deshaun Watson is something that maybe some fans would line up and do. It's just unnecessary. To the division, I can't really put the division in because I don't think it's realistic, so we don't even have to look at the AFC South. Kansas City's a no. Las Vegas is a yes. Denver is a yes. And also realistic, especially with how their defense looks right now. And you know what? With the Chargers, you're going to hate me for this. I say yes. Let me explain it. You trade Deshaun Watson for Justin Herbert. I've seen Justin Herbert already. Now, if you're if you're the Chargers, maybe you don't want to do it. If you're a Chargers fan, and I would understand that. Justin Herbert looks like he has a bright future. If you're if you're the Chargers, you say, I'll give you a couple firsts. I'll take away from the four firsts. I'll give you Justin Herbert for Deshaun Watson. The Chargers are a roster that can compete right now. They lost very tight football games. That's supposed to change with Brandon Staley. That's why you go out and get a guy like that. That's supposed to change. You lost tight football games last year. You were still 7-9. and nine. One little change can mean the world of difference. You had the horses this year. You weren't able to get over it. Now if you have a guy like Deshaun Watson, you could probably do it with Justin Herbert. So it could still be the conversation I just had about Cleveland. But if you were to move on from Justin Herbert, there you get something great for Houston. You don't have to give up as many first-round picks. That means you can save them for Deshaun Watson. The Chargers get themselves a great veteran, young veteran quarterback they know can hack it, and you have in Houston a guy who can change the way the fans look at the franchise. Justin Herbert, a couple of less picks, but you still get first-round picks to help him. You get something new in there as the head coach. Now, I don't know what you're going to pick. I'd love to see Eric Bieniemy, but I guess I'm not allowed to say these type of things in the NFL anymore because they're just never going to hire the guy from what it looks like, which is a sh- which is a travesty. But still, I guess I'd love to see it happen, but because we all want it to happen, it's not going to happen. So I don't know who your head coach is, so that's going to be a difficult thing to bring up. But Justin Herbert, less draft picks that, that the Chargers have to give up, it actually makes sense if you bring if, if you work it out. It works for both sides, and great business deals work when both sides get something to help them. To the NFC, Alex Smith in Washington, you know that's a yes. The Giants and Daniel Jones, I don't know what goes through Dave Gettleman's head. They're like $3 million over the cap now some way, somehow, with a team that's still not very good and a team that we thought was young. Maybe they paid a little bit too much for James Bradbury. Uh, I still say no. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think that plenty of Giants fans would line up and do it, and I think it would probably make sense for – Giants fans and for Houston, but I don't think they'll do it. Dallas and Dak Prescott is a yes. You can let Dak have his money. You can make that trade. You can still get your four first-round picks. Jerry Jones is nuts. You can absolutely get his picks. You can definitely make that move. Philadelphia and Carson Wentz, that's a no. Carson Wentz seems to have a Rasputin-type power over the Philadelphia Eagles right now. Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers, with love there, I don't even think it's possible. So I scratch everything. Don't give me a ding. Don't give me anything. I just think it's an impossible thing to work out. Chicago, they got Mitch Trubisky. That's a yes. Minnesota and Kirk Cousins, that's a yes. Because you could trade both of those guys if you really wanted to, and I don't know if you're really going to hurt your bottom line, especially with the four picks. Matt Stafford in Detroit. Now, I wrote no. I wrote, there we go, because Detroit's a team that's on their ass. They need their picks. So when it looks like, well, Deshaun Watson's the type of guy who could change around the fortunes. Again, Houston's a 4-12 football team, guys, or a 5-win football team. We're just not good. 
So if I have Houston there and they're already not that great, I know that I need to help Deshaun Watson with something. He's maybe not Mahomes. He's maybe not Allen. He's up there. I need to help him with something. And if I give away picks if I'm Detroit and they're already in the cellar, how am I going to help him out? Plus, again, I worry about Dan Campbell. I, I think that could be a toxic relationship with that type of a guy and a headstrong quarterback. New Orleans and Drew Brees and Taysom Hill, you know I'm going to say yes with that. Tampa Bay, they're all in on Tom Brady. That's a no. Carolina, absolutely yes. Atlanta, yes. I think they could afford the picks. Seattle and Russell Wilson, that's a no. The Rams, yes. Arizona, I wrote yes at first, but now it's a no. Because then I got to just fire Cliff Kingsbury. Because that's the whole reason I have the guy in the first place is because they have Kyler Murray. If I trade with Arizona, I'm going to want Kyler Murray in return with the picks. But then if I trade Kyler Murray with the picks, then you just got to fire Cliff Kingsbury because that's the whole reason you had Cliff Kingsbury. And maybe you can. Maybe you just fire Cliff Kingsbury and you bring in, I don't know, Eric Bieniemy. But, again, maybe you just fire Cliff Kingsbury because some of the same problems that he was having with Texas Tech as a head coach, well, they seem to be creeping up now as he's a head coach in the NFL. Who'd have thunk it? But you got to move on from that. I don't think they're willing to. I think they have to be a cult status with them and, and, and Kyler Murray. I say no, even though originally I said yes. And San Francisco. See, everybody in the world, except for Kiara Mia, wants to give up on Jimmy Garoppolo. So I say yes on the Jimmy Garoppolo. Because if the salary would roll off. I don't think you'd win a ton of games with him. You could get the picks. You could still draft a quarterback. And if it worked out for Jimmy Garoppolo, if, if, if he were to come back and play well, well, then you have yourself a conversation. So I think it could work out that way. But there it is. Those are the guys. Those are the teams that I think could work out for Deshaun Watson. But first and foremost, I think it's got to be Deshaun Watson in Houston. I think Houston needs to figure it out. I think Houston's the team that needs to do everything they can, just like what was done with John Elway, just like what was done with Aaron Rodgers. Give him a seat at the table. And let him believe in you again. 855-2124-CBS. We usually do work or shoot. We won't do work or shoot when we come back. I have to discuss the possibilities of the NFL head coach Royal Rumble coming back with Connor Green. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. This is the Ken Carmen Show. May I have the password, please? Fidelio. That's right, sir. That is the password. On CBS Sports Radio. We're going to kick you in the teeth, all right? And when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off, all right? And we're going to stand up. And then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down, all right? And on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap. And we're going to get up, and then it's going to take three shots to get us down. And when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you. Before before long, we're going to be the last one standing. That's Dan Campbell. He knew he had to get out of there. He knew he was running out of time. He also, I think he was losing count about how many times he was going to bite kneecaps or whatever the hell it was. Connor, I want you to think about this, okay? Last segment. I want to know who's going to win the coach, the NFL head coach, Royal Rumble. Now, we did this before, and Mike Vrabel was the winner. 
But now that we have Dan Campbell in the mix here, who would win in an NFL head coach Royal Rumble? And don't give me the stupid Andy. Andy Reid is not winning an NFL head coach Royal Rumble, okay? I think that right now Dan Campbell has to be the favorite, although Robert Salah might be in the running as well. But I think Dan Campbell, the fact that he might bite your kneecaps off and who knows he fights dirty, I don't think Mike Vrabel has a chance to compete with that. The only thing I would say, now, and Brian Flo- people, I forgot, Brian Flores is like 6'3". So Brian Flores is not small. Anthony, people picked Anthony Lynn. He can't participate in it now. He's fired. If he gets another chance, we'll put him back in. They're, they have to be NFL head coaches, current NFL head coaches. Don't be giving me Deuce Gruden and saying that he has a chance, okay? It's got to be dad. And John Gruden didn't win in it either. John Gruden's body looks like Ric Flair's at the end. And Ric Flair was a good fighter, so maybe Ric Flair. No, I'm just kidding. I, I'm going to want to know, Connor, from you later on, who could win. Now, we're going to have an argument over this. Because Dan Campbell talks big game, but I know for a fact that one time Mike Vrabel made Urban Meyer see God in the locker room. And that's something. Mike Vrabel is a very tough individual. And it's very hard for me to say that Mike Vrabel is going to get knocked off the, the mountaintop. 855-2124-CBS. Coming up in a bit, we'll do work or shoot. Up next, we got an NFC Championship game coming up tomorrow as well. I know we spent a lot of time talking about the AFC Championship game. It's Rodgers. It's Brady. It's a fight for legacy. It's John Ledyard from the Pewter Report. Joining us next, it's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. Right now, it's the latest sports update with Marco Belletti. This is the Ken Carmen Show. It's so hard for me to sit back here in this studio, and I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down. Woo! On CBS Sports Radio. 855-2124-CBS. Already got a tweet in here. Copeland says, Ken, Campbell the cannibal would not would be easy to beat in a fight. Trying to bite off kneecaps will get your, shattered, get your jaw shattered. See? People are thinking it out. They're thinking it out. Who'd win in a battle royale? Who'd win in the Royal Rumble? John Ledyard joins us on the show. Peter Report, find him on Twitter at Ledyard NFL Draft, one of the best. But I'm going to go off the reservation here with this question. You ready for this here, John? I'm ready. Hit me. All All the current NFL coaches in a Royal Rumble, who comes out on top? You know, I thought it was Dan Campbell once he got hired. I kind of even tweeted this out. I said, it's a Royal Rumble. We got a new winner, I think. (laughs) <laughs> but when he got up and talked about it, it was too much for me. It was like, if you know you could win the Royal Rumble, you wouldn't get up and talk about this biting knee. He's going to be biting kneecaps. I mean, Mike Vrabel's going to whoop him, and, and Brian Flores is going to whoop him. My money's still back on Brian Flores. Dan Campbell kind of talked me out of it with his, uh, pre- with his, with his presser. I got a lot of people taking Brian Flores here. Now, I for whatever reason, I thought Brian Flores was like 5'9". Brian Flores is like 6'3". <laughs> That's that that is I was I was way off on that one. And he is he looks like he's yoked. I do remember I mean Mike Vrabel, there is a pretty famous story of the Ohio State locker room where Mike Vrabel is not in awe mm-hmm. of Urban Meyer. That's so the only thing and I'm sure you probably yeah. know it, so I'm I, we don't need to even <laughs> say it. But I, I just I, I keep thinking Vrabel is just a maniac and I think he would win the whole damn thing and now even with yeah. Dan Campbell here, I tend to agree with you. It would be uh, pretty. It would be pretty close between those two, I think. Uh, Dan Campbell maybe has a chance, but I, 
I don't know. After hooking him, I think it'll be Vrabel or Flores. Real quick, do you think he'll be successful? I worry about that type of thing. I, I do. I, you know, I, I, I'm in Cleveland, John, and I know I can, go, I can't go through a show without saying it. And I, I like Freddie Kitchens, the dude, but I, it, it was rough. It, it was rough, and I think it was kind of. Mm-hmm. It, it's like he played a head coach in a movie. Yeah, and I yeah, think yeah. that's what I might be getting there with with Dan Campbell. Am I wrong? Yeah, I mean, I I don't think you're wrong. I mean, it, I always say with these head coach candidates, you know, I, there's only so much I can see, right, from our vantage yeah, point in the media. True. Like, even if we feel like we know the coach or have talked to him or, you know, I interviewed him a bunch, which I haven't done any of with Campbell, you know, there's still only so much we can know. That position has so much unknown about it that really only you'd hope a GM and a president and all that kind of stuff, those guys would know an interview for. But from what I know, he would not have been one of my top choices for sure, and I haven't seen anything since he got hired to convince me otherwise. Do you think weather's going to matter at all in this football game? Do we overrate it as fans? I think it's absolutely overrated. I don't think it matters at all. I mean, if, if I mean, it would matter maybe if it were single digits and snowstorming, and maybe it matters, but more than likely it affects both teams, you know. And when a game that's you know, 20 degrees, something, you know, I, I just don't think it's a big deal. I mean, you have so many guys on the Bucks who've played in cold weather, and it's not like the Packers practice in, you know, this, this frozen tundra year-round either. I mean, you know, they are, they're, you know, they have their facilities and they have their – um, you know, pleasantries and all that. And if you talk to players today, too, they're like, you know, it's really not that big a deal. Like the sideline, everything, there's heaters everywhere. Our benches are heated. Our coats are heated. Like, you know, we, we get out in the field and we run around and we stay warm, you know. So it would need to be really cold, I think, to have an effect on the game. And, you know, this, the weather that they're calling for, I don't think it's bad enough to, to make a difference, especially when you consider how well Tom Brady's and how often he's played in cold weather. We're big in Wisconsin. The show's big in Wisconsin. <laughs> Oddly enough, we do awful in Idaho. And I had fans in Wisconsin calling in saying that they're going to do the same thing, what happened, you know, the the, Sa- the Saints thing with Drew Brees, and it's going to be the same way with, with Tom Brady here. And I thought, ah, eh, I know they're both in their 40s, but I think this, this is a different <laughs> conversation. I have not seen Tom Brady look this good. Uh, over the last few years, what's been the secret? Is it just that he actually has horses around him here, or has he done something even more personally to to make himself last an entire season and look so good through an entire season? Yeah, I mean, he and Breeze couldn't be on more opposite ends of the spectrum right now, at least in terms of pocket passers, you know, prototype. Like, you know, Brady is the highest average depth of target in the NFL this season, throw the ball down the field more than any other quarterback, completing more 20-plus yard passes than any other quarterback, uh, more aggressive, more tight window throws than any other quarterback in the league. So he is, you know, aggressive, 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 yet still very very much not mistake-prone. Where Breeze, you know, although he was not mistake-prone most of the year, too, uh, he was not at all, you know, aggressive as a passer. You know, only 28 – I don't think he didn't even attempt a pass of 20 yards or more in the air in that whole game against the Bucks. So they are on totally opposite ends of the spectrum in that regard this season. The thing about Brady that's really so amazing, and you're right, it has been his best season in a while, is that Bruce Arians' offense is difficult for quarterbacks. I mean, if you compare Brady's first-year numbers in a Bruce Arians system to every other quarterback that's played in, in a first year under Bruce Arians, uh, you know, especially excluding Ben Roethlisberger because Bruce Arians' offense was so different back then. The Steelers team was so run-heavy and defense-heavy. But if you look at, like, Andrew Luck and Carson Palmer and J- Jameis Winston, those guys, you know, it is just like night and day. I mean, it's not even a fair fight between them in terms of who had the best uh, first season. 
for a quarterback in that system. It's such an aggressive system. It's difficult on the quarterback because there aren't a lot of hot routes built into it. So you often have to figure things out against uh, blitzes and pressure a little bit. Um, so it's just a complicated system. It's complicated for wide receivers. Um, there's a lot of option routes. And so to get on the same page without a full off season, um, it's, you know, without preseason, it's just been amazing what they've been able to do in that amount of time. You broke all the franchise records basically for an offense. And so, yes, part of it's the horses. Part of it's just Brady being really special at a position where you need a special player. Uh, and part of it is the season's gone on. Honestly, Arians and Leftwich have, have tweaked some things and adjusted some things and, and made the offense a more efficient group than it's really ever been before under Arians, and they deserve some credit for that for sure. So is that the same answer then maybe for some of the, you know, a couple of the roller coasters at the beginning of the season? You talked about how the offense was, and maybe there was a couple times where I was wondering if Arians was asking Tom Brady to do things that he was maybe no longer capable of doing, but the way you just gave it, it seems like that might be the answer for how things started to smooth out over the rest of the season with Tom Brady and this offense with what Bruce Arians runs. Yeah, the, the issue in the middle of the season, you know, when they lost a couple games, Rams, Saints, and especially the Saints game kind of blowout. I mean, the cohesiveness was definitely somewhat of an issue. There were lots of drops in those games, some miscommunications on routes, pretty consistent throughout those games. Uh, but a big problem was the the fact that it really didn't matter who was playing quarterback. Everybody just kind of, because it's Tom Brady, they just kind of were like, oh, it's not working for Tom Brady. I mean, you look at the history of Arians' quarterbacks, there's a lack of efficiency all over the place. You may get a lot of yards and you may get a lot of points. But you also get a lot of turnovers and you get a lot of sacks in his offense. It's always been the way that it's been. You'll get 45 points one week, and the next week, you know, you'll try and hunt that vertical ball. A team will take it away and you don't adjust. You know, his teams have never been very diverse with their run scheme. Um, so they're, it's basically what can we do through the air, and they love to hunt the big play. They get it at an astronomical rate. You know, it's unbelievable how well he's found the big play in a passing offense without a great running attack and in a league where teams line up and they say, we're going to take away the big play. He still found them. But there are weeks, especially I think back to that Rams game and the Saints game in week nine, where that wasn't happening, where he's, you know, he is calling a lot of four verts and things like that, and they just are not open and not there. And then there were protection issues in those games as well. And so there really was only so much Brady could do. And I watched those games, and I rewatched them, and I said, Brady's not the problem at all. Like, you know, the problem isn't Brady or fit in anything. You know, it's just this offense needs to become modernized. He didn't use play action. He didn't use motion. Uh, those things were at league bottom rates in Tampa Bay's offense. So they came out of the bye week in week 13, and they came out against Minnesota, and they started doing those things a little bit more. They started going more play-action passing. They started throwing the ball more on first down. They were a 50-50 run-pass team on first down. They became about a 65-35, 63-37-pass first team on first down, and that was huge for them because teams are lining up to defend the run, and they're finding chunk plays in the passing game. And so that was when they went on that run, and their offense kind of took off. They definitely hit a bump in the road against the Saints last week. It will be very interesting to see how they come out in this game. Very fortunate, I think, to get the four turnovers that they did against the Saints. Defense played great. Offense didn't mess it up. That hasn't been the formula most of the season for the Bucs. It's been the offense playing great. Defense just not messing it up enough you know, to lose the game. So it'll be interesting to see if the script flips back against Green Bay. If that offense struggles again, I don't think Green Bay is going to make the mistakes that they made against the Saints, so the Bucs could be in trouble. John Ledyard joining us on the show. Find him on Twitter at Ledyard uh, NFL Draft uh, there on Twitter. So after that week six game, what's going to change for Tampa Bay in that game? What are they going to see that maybe they didn't see back in week six? Well, I think one of the things that they'll see, um, at least defensively, I think what they're going to see when the Packers are on defense and the, when the Bucks have the ball, they're going to see more two high safeties would be my guess. Green Bay played a lot of single high safeties 
a lot of cover three and even some cover one uh, in the in the week six matchup. And I think Brady was able to find a lot of those over routes that he loves. You know, they love those deep crossers. He's able to find Gronk on a few of those. You know, I think they're going to watch the Saints and they're going to say, okay, the Saints, they're consistently stepping on those crossing routes with their safeties, playing out of two high. So they're just passing them off. Safeties are stepping and then they've got one-on-ones on the outside and they'll take their shots that way. But the Saints defended those one-on-ones pretty well throughout the entire game. So the Packers probably say, we can defend those one-on-ones on the outside and stop the deep crossers. You know, we really make them either run the ball because we're playing with two high safeties, which we don't think they're good enough at running it to beat us, or we make them throw, you know, we make them switch the gears to a quicker hitting passing game and a shorter attack, which Arians has been impatient with before. He, he'll go to it for a little while, then he hunts the big play again. And it's, you know, it's not so they make Arians basically switch gears and be more patient. Brady has no issue being patient. If you take it away, he'll go underneath. He did that against the Saints, and he went, Leonard Fournette had like 44 yards, Cam Brady had 50 yards. Those were the leading receivers. It wasn't going to be a big day in the passing game. Okay, you know we'll go underneath. We'll find the we'll find the yardage this way. We'll find the mismatches against their linebackers. So Brady will adjust, but will the play calling allow him to get the most out of his skill players? If the Packers are playing a lot of four deep, uh, you know, quarters coverage or a lot of two deep safeties, that's the biggest thing I think they'll see in that ma- in this matchup that they didn't last time. So it means they've got to be able to be patient in the passing game, make plays after the catch. The receivers have to make plays after the catch, and they have to be able to run the ball. That, that's, they ran it okay against New Orleans. This is not a great running team, though. They're an adequate running team. Mm-hmm. They might have to run the ball really well to get over on the Packers' fronts. John Ledger with us on the show. Final one. I think all the pressures with Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. I think that Tom Brady has already proven a lot this year. Uh, tell me why I'm wrong if you think I'm wrong. I don't think you're wrong. That's a unique observation. I'm glad that you said that. I've actually thought about that this week. I mean, there is some pressure on the Bucks. If you ask me out of the four teams that are left, you know, I'd say the Packers and the Bucks have the more pressure than the Chiefs and Bills. They know they're going to be back here, the Chiefs and the Bills. Uh, but I think in the NFC, yeah, I think, I mean, there's, a, there's just the reality of a limited window. You know, something happens next year, somebody gets hurt, and you're all of a sudden not as good of a team if you're Tampa Bay, and you don't really have more years with Brady. You know, it may be one, two more years. Uh, probably before he retires. So there is some pressure in that regard. You want to win a ring with this group. The Bucks are going to bring almost everybody back. The Saints are going to be down. There are going to be a lot of other teams down in the NFC next year. But the Packers, you know, like you said, Brady's proven everything. Aaron Rodgers has won Super Bowl ring, which is great, but he's only, he's only been one time, and there's a lot to prove, I think, for them. They've had a great season. To me, they're right now playing better than any other team in the NFL, and I think they need to finish this, they need to finish this thing. I mean, that's a city that they want championships. You know, there's no doubt about it. And Rodgers has done a ton, but he wants, you know, they probably want him to get more than one, knowing them. And so I think there's a lot more pressure on Green Bay to salvage this season with a Super Bowl ring than, than there is on Tampa Bay. Uh, but there is some pressure on both sides, and I think it will be part of this matchup. You follow him on Twitter. He's a good dude. At Ledyard NFL Draft. Oh, uh, give me one, real quick, and I mean real quick, give me one hot take about the first round of this year's upcoming draft. Come on. Give me a free uh, One hot take. I think you'll see two running backs go in the first 20 picks. Okay, that is a pretty hot take. That is a nice hot take. All right, John, we thank you very much for the time, buddy. All the best. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Ken. I appreciate it. Absolutely. John Ledyard joining us at Ledyard NFL Draft on Twitter, covering the Bucks for the Peter, for the Peter Report. Fantastic. Two first-round picks in the first round, or two uh, running backs in the first round of the draft. 855-2124-CBS. I think it's a conversation about Vita Vea being back. How much does he play? What changes with Aaron Rodgers? Honestly, because of that, what changes with Tom Brady Halfway in the, in the other 50%? Like, if he plays 50% of the snaps, 
what happens with Tom Brady on his offensive end that changes with field position because you have Vita Vea out there on the field, if he's able to play 50%. You know Antonio Brown, it changes things up a little bit for Mike Evans, but I think it was highlighted in the game against the Saints just how different things can be with a guy like Mike Evans where you can body up, you can show what you can't. You can do a whole lot of different things because he's so big. What he did on Malcolm Jenkins in that game against the Saints. What can be done with that offense? And yeah, the defense is always going to be a little bit of a of a worry and a concern against these two quarterbacks because of who these two quarterbacks are. I think that's an easy thing to say. If I'm picking either one of these defenses, I think I got to pick Tampa Bay. I I just like Tampa Bay in this game. Flat out, like Tom Brady. Don't want to pick against him. 855-2124-CBS. Speaking of Tom Brady, i got another legacy project to tell you about coming up at 1.20 p.m. Eastern. Up next, this game, and I mean this NFC Championship game, means a hell of a lot more to Aaron Rodgers than it ever would Tom Brady. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. 